Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hey, MD Nation, I want to let you guys know today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you can get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be sure to reference this show when you sign up, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are back with the Thursday night recap. And of course, the late week two previews where we're talking about the later afternoon games, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game in today's preview shows. Of course, keeping you up to date with all the injury news that we have up until this point. And remember, if you want to keep up to date over through the weekend and want to be able to utilize us as a source to help your last minute start sick questions, your trade questions, whatever they might be over this weekend, make sure you contact us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. You can also use that to get on to the mailbag segment and call 609-362-2480. Leave your voicemail with your comment, your rant, your question, whatever it may be, or email the show directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. And of course, today's show is a Friday show. It's a preview show. That means we're still streaming today live on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Sportscaster, YouTube, almost anywhere that you would really want to watch the stream. And of course, we're always available to you on your favorite podcast app. 
almost all of them, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to go for your podcast needs, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. All right. We had a big game yesterday. It actually wound up being a more entertaining Thursday night game than we were anticipating between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Both offenses showed up to play. Defensively, we're going to have some questions. And even offensively, we have some questions for some guys and some observations that I went through and really walked away feeling great and uneasy about certain players throughout this game. So let's go ahead and dive into that right away. Talking about the Thursday night game, talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, talking about the Cleveland Browns. We'll start off with the positive side of things, which would be the Cleveland Browns. And that is the running game. That is Nick Chubb, and that is Kareem Hunt. What a game that they had. Now, are there going to be a lot of games in the future that these guys are going to be able to almost run for 100 yards apiece and both get two touchdowns? No, but we do know where the focus point of this offense is going to be for the entirety of the year. And when they have decent matchups, or AK when they're not playing Baltimore, or maybe even Pittsburgh, because they got to play them twice again this year too. That's not going to be an easy matchup either. Both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to be worthy starts on your lineups. Both of them are going to be guys that you can play one at the RB2 spot and one at the flex and expect a big production out of. That's what the focal point of this offense is going to be. It's going to be centered around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And having them ranked inside of the top 20 this week, for me, looking pretty good. Looking looking pretty solid. They're going to finish inside the top 20. I might even have been too low of them because I actually had them ranked at 19 and 20 in half-point PPR leagues. And that's probably going to be too low because there's a decent chance that both of them wind up in the top 10 this week rather than just the top 20. But both of them were starts. Both of them came through for you. Nick Chubb, 22 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Kareem Hunt got his series at the end of the game, which was pivotal. Look, the Cleveland Browns, that last series, they were on the field to try to kill the game, to try to close out the game. And it wasn't Nick Chubb on the field, it was Kareem Hunt. I think it just goes to show you that this really is a 1A, 1B situation. Now, Kareem Hunt only had 10 carries to Nick Chubb's 22. Where last week it was Nick Kareem Hunt for 13 and Nick Chubb for 10. But he still picks up 86 yards. He still gets a touchdown. He looks absolutely phenomenal. They both look like they love playing together. And the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns is what really showed up in my mind. There was holes aplenty. Of course, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt made guys miss, picked up the extra yardage. Just what you expect guys of their caliber to do. But that offensive line was generating holes. Now, yes, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. And no, they weren't doing that against the Baltimore Ravens. But most of the teams that they play are going to be somewhere in between. Where we should expect solid production still moving forward. Out of the offensive line and out of Kareem Hunt and out of Nick Chubb. Now, as far as the passing game goes, neither one really that involved. Nick Chubb had one target, one catch, nine yards. You don't expect him to be very involved in the passing game. But Kareem Hunt only had two targets, two catches, 15 yards. But he does get the receiving touchdown. The Browns didn't have to throw the ball as much in this game either. That was the big key here. That was why you know Kareem Hunt wasn't as involved in that aspect of the game. But when it was third and longs, it was Kareem Hunt out there for the most part. So just expect that moving forward. Look. Hunt is going to get his. He is going to be somebody who's going to be a low-end RB2, a flex play. He's going to be somebody who can be in your lineup every single week. Plain and simple. And Nick Chubb is still his RB2. He redeems himself after last week. We knew this was a better matchup going in. This is still an offense designed for the running back. 
And I think you leave this game, if you have Nick Chubb, if you have Kareem Hunt, if you have both, because there could be a scenario where teams out there have both, I think you leave feeling that, hey, you know what? You can play both of these guys. These guys are going to return the value that you wanted to. It gives you a pep step in the right direction. A pep in your step. The other good news was also on the Cleveland Browns side was OBJ. Four catches, 74 yards, a touchdown on six targets. Had the big 43-yarder, where most of his production came on, on the play-action pass. But that's what we expect. I know Jarvis Landry's a little bit banged up going into this game, but he was active. Three targets, three catches, 46 yards. And maybe you think to yourself, well, kind of concerning because the Bengals are are such a good matchup on paper. Maybe you played Jarvis Landry as their low-end wide receiver three. Maybe you played him as your flex play. Better days are going to be ahead for him. But no moving forward that this offense is, I mean, not that we already know this, but this offense is designed around the running back. They're designed around play-action pass. What we saw last night is ideally what Cleveland would like to do. Use OBJ to take shots with off of play action. There's going to be plenty more games where they have to throw the ball more than 23 times. That's all they did in this game. So there's going to be different volume, different weeks. But just keep in mind, if, you, if, you're, if the Browns are playing against a team that can't stop the run, then maybe you shy away from Jarvis Landry. OBJ can still be okay because he's still going, somebody's going to be used as the big play threat. He's still going to be somebody who's used as a red zone guy. He's still going to get the majority of the targets as the, as the clear-cut wide receiver one of this team. But maybe you have to pick your spots on Jarvis Landry. It has to be a team that either pretty good against a run or you think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more against because they're going to be able to be competitive with. And you have to be, become matchup situational with Jarvis Landry moving forward as a wide receiver three. But that's basically what he drafted him to be anyway, because this is somebody who wasn't going until the sixth and seventh rounds to begin with. So you weren't necessarily drafting him to be counted on as your wide receiver two. So he should be okay there, and better days are ahead. The one I know people are going to be panicking on when it comes to the Browns is Austin Hooper. You know, David Njoku's out, he's gone for now. Harrison Bryant is the other tight end. They did target Austin Hooper. In the red zone. Wasn't able to come down with the catch. But they did look for him in the red zone. So that's the good news moving forward. But here's what I will say. Austin Hooper is becoming a touchdown dependent tight end moving forward. Meaning he's not going to be automatically in the top 12. He is going to be falling back into more of the streaming territory. Of the rest of the tight ends after the top 6 or 7. Who become touchdown dependent in their streamability. He is falling back into that territory. I don't know why they paid him as much as they did, but he's not going to be a featured part of this offense. They're going to look for him in the red zone, but he's going to be touchdown dependent. And that's something you're going to have to take in consideration moving forward in your future matchups if you're an Austin Hooper owner. We'll mention Baker Mayfield, 219 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, who will have an okay day on the day on the day when it comes to fantasy football purposes. I didn't have him as somebody who was streaming. Hopefully didn't start him because you probably have a better option anyway who's going to finish on Sunday. But Baker, I feel like, is kind of in a no-win situation, especially when it comes to fantasy football. Either the Browns get to do what they actually want to do, which is run the football heavily and Baker not throw the ball for even 30 times in a game, or they're going to be falling way behind playing ugly football, Baker Mayfield's going to throw a ton, and it's not going to look great. 
that was still a bad pick that he had at the end of the game when they were trying to put the game away and score and 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 William Jackson cut across cut in front excuse me of Harrison Bryant and Baker tried to laser beam it if he throws it over the top he might have gotten William Jackson but he didn't he tried to laser beam it 35 yards and it got picked and it was a clear cut read the guy was coming straight across the field there's no way he could have missed him so there's still some things about Baker's game, even in this matchup, that make you go, eh. Now, he played much better. And the key thing, like I said, is that as long as he's able to hit OBJ on those shot plays and off of play action, then that's all you really need him to do. Because I don't think Baker Mayfield is somebody you're going to be trusting in fantasy football, period, this year. Like I said, even in the plus matchups, the Browns are going to want to be able to run the football, first and foremost. The idea is for Baker to throw the ball less than 30 times a game. That's the idea. So I don't know when exactly he would ever be a streaming option for you anyway. Now on the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball. We'll start with the good on the Bengals side of the ball as well. Joe Burrow catapulted himself into streamer territory in the top 20 territory after this week. Now, do we expect him to throw the ball 61 times every single week? No. No, we do not. It, was, it wasn't just that they were coming back from behind in this game that they threw the ball a ton. They came out of the game ready to throw the football. They came out of the game looking to spread the Browns' defense out. I mean, first play of the game, first drive of the game, out in shotgun, five wide. Right off the bat. That was, that was their game plan heading into this game. They were just going to spread them out, and they all had already made the decision that Joe Burrow was going to throw the ball a ton. That, was all, that decision was already made regardless of how the game flow is going to go. And he finishes 316 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. He got knocked around all game long, and yet he still looked composed, had good throws throughout the game, didn't make really many mistakes. He's, he's a streamer quarterback moving forward in certain matchups. And we're going to see here, because after this showing which is going to start leading me into my, my negative points pretty soon. After this showing, they might just decide, hey, going week three forward, this is Joe Burrow's offense and centered around him. Now, that, like I said, that leads into one of my negative points, which is Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's an RB2. He's not an RB1. It's unfortunate. This show, along with so many others, along with many other people who are drafting later in their first rounds, we're suggesting that Joe Mixon is worthy of a first-round pick. The idea being that what we saw at the end of last year would at least continue the beginning of this season. Even if he wasn't getting 25 carries in a game, which is what he was doing at the end of last year, the idea was that Zach Taylor had come out in this offseason and expressed that he regretted playing Giovanni Bernard as much as he did towards in the beginning of last season and realized that Joe Mixon, being, playing as a true three-down back, playing as a bell cow, gets better as the game goes on. And that that was something that they were going to need to do heading into this year moving forward because they recognize that he's a superstar. They paid him as such. He just got a contract extension before the season began. Two games in a row now. First game, like I said, I was a little bit concerned, but we have to see it again. They had a quick turnaround. It was a decent match against Cleveland Browns. Two games in a row now, Giovanni Bernard has been too involved for Joe Mixon to be an RB1 moving forward. An RB2? Yes. Is he going to find the end zone eventually? Yes. So is he still going to be a, a solid RB2? Yes. Is he going to have bigger games, games ahead? Yes. 
but a week-to-week RB1? No. The snap count between Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard last night was almost 50-50. The roles weren't necessarily 50-50, but the snap count was almost 50-50. Bernard was in there on third and longs. There was even a third and short, that I, the third and one that they took Joe Mixon out for and brought Bernard in. I couldn't believe it. Like, it's third and one. Give the ball to Mixon. But he was in on third and longs. He was in there on a two-minute drill. He was in there when they were in no huddle offense, trying to come back from behind a lot in the second half. That's really where Gene Maia Bernard got a lot of his stat share was the second half. Joe Mixon didn't play very much. This is a bad team. This is a team that's going to be in those type of situations a lot this year. It's also a really bad offensive line. So, Joe Mixon is an RB2. And he might be, while he hasn't played great the past couple of weeks, and you might say, well, this is a little weird, but he might be a sell-high candidate for me. Because in some people's minds, Joe Mixon is still has his name still has RB1 value to it from the offseason. And it might be worth it to see, can you get a Kenyon Drake? Can you get, you know, a Miles Sanders? Not, maybe not a Miles Sanders, because I still don't trust this guy's going to stay healthy. So that's not, probably not a good one there. Can you get a Jonathan Taylor? That might be a move to make. I'm not hitting the panic button on Joe Mixon. I say he's going to be an RB2, but it's clear to me that if Gina Maia Bernard is going to continue to be involved as he was, and this offensive line is going to be as bad as it, as it was last season, which it's, so far it's shaped up to be, him getting touchdowns, him getting 100-yard gains are going to be difficult. And if he's not going to help himself in the passing game as much, well, then his floor, it, it feels like it's setting up as a repeat of last year. Now, like I know towards the end, he turned it around. He turned into the RB1 that we all thought he could be and would be. But ask a Joe Mixon owner last year, do you really, do you really want to wait until week 10 to see if that happens this season? And the big difference is, is that they had to turn to him because you had Ryan Finley at quarterback. Back and forth between him and Andy Dalton. This is Joe Burrow's team moving forward. They may never move off the pass. So unless Giovanni Bernard is either is injured or they realize that, hey, you know what? Joe Mixon is just as good as catching the ball and he makes us less predictable when he's back there in the backfield and he's just way better. His ceiling's going to be capped. I pulled up my list to give you guys some trade options here. Jonathan Taylor, I would say that's a maybe. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, because he didn't play that much last last week, even though he got the two touchdowns. I mean, you can hit him like, hey, Carlos Hyde might be more involved. Aaron Jones didn't have a big game last week. We'll have to see what happens this week. Obviously, you can't move Joe Mix after he played. Kenyon Drake, these are all guys that I would contemplate maybe trading Joe Mixon for and seeing if somebody bites. He might be a sell-high candidate for me in that sense. Now, I wouldn't just do it for anything. It would have to be one of those guys. It would have to be a high-caliber RB2 who just is in a better offensive situation than Joe Mixon is. But I wouldn't rule it out. As I know that on the stat sheet, it shows you know he got four catches for 40 yards. He had... Uh, four, on four targets. So he wasn't, it wasn't like he wasn't not involved in the passing game, but that was only on first and second downs. And mostly in the first half. I think he only had one catch in the second half. 
Bernard had seven targets. Five catches, 22 yards. Wasn't as good, but he had seven targets. That was second most. Uh, I'm sorry, that was fourth most, by the way. It's just concerning how much Giovanni Bernard is playing. If that were to change, Joe Mixon could go back to an RB1. But until that does, he's an RB2. CJ Usama goes down with an Achilles injury. He had four catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown before that happened. The tight end position combined for 15 targets, 87 yards, 11 catches, and a touchdown between CJ... <laughs> I keep saying his... Uh, I keep wanting to say his name wrong. Usama and Drew Sample. I know people are going to look at this and say, well, Drew Sample, is he a waiver wire pickup? He might enter streaming territory because just of how much Joe Burrow targeted the tight end in this game, but... It was clear that the, the game plan against the Browns was to spread them out and attack the middle part of their field because Tyler Boyd had eight targets, seven catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown in this one as well. That It was clear that's what, that's what the goal was. They wanted to come out. They wanted to target that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So I don't know how much stock I'm going to put into Drew Sample, no-name guy up until this point, moving forward. Joe Burrow threw the ball 61 times. That's not going to happen a lot. That probably will not happen again this season. Is that to say that the tight end will not be involved? No. I think the tight end will be involved at least to some degree. But I'm not getting ready to pop up Drew Sample to you know higher than a Janu Smith moving forward or a TJ Hawkinson or a Mike Kosicki or anything like that. So don't get too far ahead of yourself, basically. But it is interesting that the tight end position was targeted so much in this game, along with Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins only had three catches of 35 yards, but something to note here, he was the second receiver as far as snap share goes in this game. Behind Tyler Boyd was clear-cut number one. Then it was T. Higgins. So if he's going to play more and more like the third receiver over John Ross, and it was clear that he was playing way ahead of John Ross in this game. John Ross only came in when they were giving their guys breathers. He might be a wide receiver four in this depth chart now. So if you, if you were stashing him as a deep stash, hoping he could be a big play threat, he's not going to be. Not that too many people were. But T. Higgins is somebody who is out there, probably available. He's somebody who's going to be on the waiver wire report, most likely next come Tuesday for this show. He's something I'm going to take a look at because this is going to be a high-volume passing attack. T. Higgins is a promising rookie who could have red zone potential in his own right. He might be worth a deep stash. This brings me to the bad news. A.J. Green was actually third in snap counts behind T. Higgins, behind Tyler Boyd. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case necessarily moving forward, but I have a conspiracy. There's no report about this. This is just me having my own opinion, my own analysis, my own conspiracy theory on A.J. Green in last night's game. The game in which he had 13 targets, by far led the team in targets for three catches and 29 yards. And still didn't find the end zone. Again, was targeted in the end zone, but couldn't come up with a touchdown. Now he was, just to talk to that play in particular, it was a pass interference that was never thrown. 
because he could only get one hand up. The defender came down before the ball was there and hacked down his right hand. He could only get his left hand up on the football, and that's why he wasn't able to bring it in. I think some people tried to credit him with a drop. I'm like, that's not a drop in that case when you're getting your complete hand knocked away before the ball ever gets there, and they just didn't throw the flag. Now, like I said, we'll get back to my conspiracy theory on A.J. Green. The very first play of the game, the Bengals went deep to A.J. for like a 40-yard throw right off the bat. They had one-on-one, and they tried to take a shot to A.J. Green. Love the play call. A.J. Green went all out to make the catch. It got ruled a catch at first. Then it was shown that he only got one foot in, called incomplete. But the point is that he laid out for this ball. He came down on the ground hard and got shaken up, took himself out for a few plays right after that first play. Now, he came back into the game, came back in on that same series, he came back in, and he did play throughout the game. But all throughout the game, ever since that first play, he looked like he was laboring. He didn't look like the quick, sharp guy that we saw on, on Sunday. I know on Sunday he didn't grab a great stat line, but he physically, like I said, coming out of that game, he looked really good to me. Made me really excited about A.J. Green moving forward and what his prospects could possibly be. After he laid out for that ball in last night's game, he looked like he was laboring the rest of the game. Part of it maybe was because he was, you know, was getting worn down because they were going so much up tempo. Maybe he's not quite, you know, his conditioning isn't quite in the game shape just yet. So maybe that could have been part of it. Like I said, he didn't pop up on the injury report. He played through the rest of the game. So whatever it is, hopefully he's not serious. But it was just weird to me that after he got shaken up, after he laid out, he didn't physically look like the same A.J. Green from Sunday to me that the rest of the game, and he looked like he was laboring and consistently taking himself out in certain situations to get a breather. So, that, like I said, that no one's reporting that. There's a conspiracy theory of mine, but that was something that I noticed in yesterday's game. However, at the end of the day, having said that, he was still targeted 13 times. It's two games in a row where he's been the clear-cut number one target for Joe Burrow. Better days are ahead for A.J. Green, plain and simple. And like I said, for the most part, he's still 6'4". He's still explosive. He'll get some of these drops corrected, some of these penalties corrected. As long as he's getting targeted like this, and as long as he's healthy, A.J. Green has much better days ahead. It was just frustrating to watch last night. So that wraps up our recap of yesterday's game. Now we can move on into our preview for the late preview games for week two. Starting off with the 4 o'clock afternoon game. Starting off with the Washington Football Club and the Arizona Cardinals. This is actually going to be an important one for my show that I do with Chris Pinto on Saturday nights, tomorrow night at 9.15 on Twitter, on Facebook called the DC's DFS Challenge. Because I have quite a bit of shares in this game between the Cardinals and Washington Football Club. So Dwayne Haskins, you're not streaming him. That pretty much can go without saying. Peyton Barber has got to be the most maddening guy because I don't want to play him. Do you want to play him? I can, I don't think anybody out there who plays fantasy football wants to play Peyton Barber. Will he get the bulk of the carries? Probably. Will he get the goal line carries? Yep, we know that. That was confirmed last week. If you play Peyton Barber, you are playing him because you're hoping he falls into the end zone at least once or twice. A betting man would tell you because he already did that last week, he's probably not going to do it this week. Although I will say against the Arizona Cardinals, it's not the toughest matchup in the world. And if they are able to move the ball, they are able to get inside the goal line, the safest thing for them to be going to be do is going to hand it off to Peyton Barber. So it's, a, it's definitely possible. 
As a result of that, Peyton Barber winds up being my RB33 on the day just because he there is a good possibility he could, he could score a touchdown in this game. I don't expect much outside of that. And you're playing him as a really risky flex with an incredibly low floor because if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's only getting you sick of the points. But Peyton Barber is one of those guys that unfortunately has fantasy value, and yet I don't want to touch him if I can help it at all. Antonio Gibson, we'll see. Antonio Gibson is going to play a little bit more and a little bit more each week. That's what I expect out of Antonio Gibson. He wasn't as involved in the passing game as I wanted him to be last week, but after watching J.D. McKissick, I don't know how J.D. McKissick is back on the field heading into week two against the Arizona Cardinals. So that should open up some touches for Antonio Gibson. Again, that's me projecting. That's me analyzing. But I expect that Gibson will play a little bit more each week as he establishes more trust as he develops throughout the season. And I think that's going to start with the Cardinals in week two. There's a pretty good chance that the Cardinals should blow out Washington in this game or at least be up by a ton early on and forcing them to have to come back. So Gibson's somebody who's flex territory is flex worthy. Let's put it that way. He's flex worthy. I think he'll be a little bit more involved in the passing game. I think he has a decent floor, but you just know that he's somebody that has that doesn't really have the touchdown potential unless he breaks one. It's going to have to come from outside the five yard line because otherwise Peyton Barber is the one who's going to be in the game in that situation. So you just have to do it with that kind of consideration. But I do think against the Cardinals in what should be a game flow where the where Washington's going to have to throw the ball quite a bit, he's going to get worked in. So he actually comes in as a high-end flex play for me uh, heading into this week because of what I anticipate his passing situation to be against Arizona. Terry McLaurin, obviously you play Terry McLaurin. Does he have a huge ceiling this week? No, it's another game where it could be just a high floor game out of Terry McLaurin, but you know he's good enough to break one at any given moment. Patrick Peterson is not the matchup that scares you like it used to be. Still not a bad, it's still not a good matchup. It's not a, a positive matchup for Terry McLaurin here. But again, lead targeted guy. He looks every bit as talented as he did last year. He has the route running capabilities. He has Dwayne Haskins trust. He's going to be the number one target. We have met wide receiver 27 just outside the t- outside of wide receiver two territory, but a top end wide receiver three, a top end flex play. And that's just kind of to speak of Byron Murphy, Patrick Peterson. It's not the best matchup in the world for him. So his ceiling is going to be capped in this game. But I think he gives you a solid floor and you can play him with confidence that he's going to give you production and not lose you the week. The big question is Logan Thomas. This is a guy on everybody's mind. They still remember Arizona from last year against the tight end position. And you have to take what happened last week and throw it out because George Kittle had four catches, 55 yards, and that all came really before he hyperextended his knee in the first half. After that, he just wasn't the same guy. After that, he was mostly in there as a blocker, as a decoy. And the 49ers offense just looked terrible all the way around. Washington found something last week where it's still not going to be a good offense. They still don't have a lot of weapons. But they were able to sort out an identity and get an idea of what they want to be. And I think they're going to take that with them into Arizona. Especially when it comes to Logan Thomas in the red zone. Like I said... Terry McLaurin is your number one target, but he's not really a true red zone threat. But outside of that, they don't have a true red zone threat. That's why Peyton Barber is such a threat to get a touchdown because they may just run it in four times from the five-yard line because they don't have a lot of weapons to go to. Logan Thomas is the only true red zone threat that they have. So is he touchdown dependent? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. This is 
Look, against Arizona, I know this is a, a matchup where people in the past have looked at it like, oh, the tight end might actually go for 100 yards no matter who they are. They have made improvements in that secondary. They have made improvements taking guys like Simmons in the first round of that linebacker court. This is not quite the same Arizona defense before. Now, it's, it's definitely one that can be taken advantage of it against the tight end still. But I'm not looking at Arizona as, oh, any tight end, no matter who they are, can go for 100 yards and a touchdown. That's not how I'm looking at this game. When it comes to Logan Thomas, he's a touchdown-dependent guy, but he has a good chance to get in the end zone again this week. So it does make him somebody who's streaming territory-worthy. And we have him a tight end 11 coming into this week because there's a lot of tight ends who don't have good matchups in this week. A lot of tight ends that we kind of question after last week exactly what their target share within the offense is going to be as well. So all that plays in the say, Logan Thomas actually does crack, crack our top 12. Most importantly, he is our top streaming tight end of the week. But again, it's touchdown dependent. So when you move on to the Arizona side of the ball, obviously you play Kyler Murray. He had a great showing last week against a tougher defense. It's going to be a similar defense. It's going to be a defense that has a good front seven, that has a good pass rush, but has a secondary that you can take advantage of, and he's going to have to use his legs. He's our number 12 quarterback on the week. That's not to say he can't have a big game. That's not to say we're not expecting a good game out of Kyler Murray. There's quarterbacks with a lot of good matchups this week. There's quarterbacks with a lot of good matchups this week. Now, if some of the injury reports come out, if A.J. Brown, for instance, of the Tennessee Titans isn't going to play, um, and they're just down to like Corey Davis and stuff like that, we may move Brian Tannehill down because against Jacksonville earlier in the week when we had the idea that they're going to have their full plethora of weapons of A.J. Brown, Janu Smith, and Corey Davis, Ryan Tannehill made our top 10. That's somebody who will probably switch out with Kyler Murray, and that would put him into the top 10 himself. But he's there's a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of good matchups. you got Matt Ryan in a shootout game with Dallas, Ben Roethlisberger against a completely banged-up Denver secondary with wide receivers who look really good. Matthew Stafford against Green Bay, Cam Newton against Seattle. There's just a lot of good matchup at the quarterback position this week. So that's why I like to quantify this sometimes when we have guys ranked in certain spots. You say, like, well, that's way too low. Sometimes it doesn't have so much to do with what we expect out of them. It has more to do with such circumstances around the league. So Kyler Murray is still a must-start in our mind. There's just there's a lot of quarterbacks who are primed or at least in position to have pretty good games this week. Obviously, you're starting him. Kenyon Drake, obviously, you're starting him. We expect a decent game out of him this week. He wasn't fully involved. I shouldn't say fully involved. He wasn't at his full capacity of playing snaps last week. He's still getting back in the game shape. Still getting back in the regular season shape. Remember, like I said, he, he missed training camp quite a bit, or at least uh, quite a bit of it with the being in the boot. Got a little nicked up. Health-wise, he seems like he's completely fine, but Kenyon Drake is working himself back into game shape. So that's something we expect to continue. Obviously, if you're a Kenyon Drake owner, you need to own Chase Edmonds. I've been talking about that in the waiver wire report, and he's been one of the running backs since the offseason where he's going to be worth a handcuff. Don G. Hopkins, I mean, after last week, sky's the limit, right? Washington doesn't have any secondary players that you're afraid of. Kyler Murray's made it clear that he'll target Hopkins and nobody else if he has to. Hopkins comes in at wide receiver six for us on the week, and depending on the injury report, that very easily could become wide receiver four by Saturday. 
because we have we have Mari Cooper and Chris Godwin one and two spots ahead of him. They're both on the injury report. We're going to talk about them too. That's all you're doing for Arizona. So you move on to the Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers game. This is going to be an interesting game. This is the game. Okay, the Chargers defense, who everyone is you know touting all year long, even though they just lost Derwin James. The whole thing about them is that they are they're supposed to be able to compete to contain the Chiefs offense. And this isn't going to be a plus matchup for anybody on the Chiefs, but it's the Chiefs offense. It might not matter. So that's going to be the interesting part to watch about this game. And it's going to be a big indication on what the Chargers season is going to be like. Is your defense good enough to win the game against Kansas City? Because that's what you built it to be. Obviously, you're starting other Chiefs. You're starting Mahomes. You're starting, you know, Clyde Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Some people are going to ask, do you start Sammy Watkins after the big week one that he had? And I would say to that, he's definitely not a must start. Still, like I said, this is still not a good matchup because he was the one who got more involved last week. It wouldn't surprise me if it was more of a Tyreek Hill week, more of a Travis Kelsey week. Let's not forget, too, Demarcus Robinson was targeted quite a bit in the red zone. It easily could have been a big Demarcus Robinson week had he been able to convert on some of those red zone opportunities that he was given last week. So Sammy Watkins is definitely not a must play for me. He comes in at wide receiver 41. Is he in the flex category? Yes, because of how many injuries at the wide receiver position there are currently. You may find yourself in a situation where you might need to play Sammy Watkins, and you could do worse. We'll put it that way. You could do worse. Either way, he's somebody you're going to be watching going forward because I want to see if he's going to continue to be targeted at a high rate. Does he still look good physically? Because if he does, if he's going to be more than just a one-week wonder this year, unlike last year where he was just a one-week wonder. Well, then he's somebody who is still hovering around that 50% on average availability mark on your waiver wires, who's going to have significant value moving forward, who's somebody you're going to need to have on your team. So I'm going to be watching this matchup. It's a tough matchup. If he does well in this game, he's going to be a must-own. But that's kind of the borderline dilemma that we're seeing when it comes to Sammy Watkins. On the Chargers side of the ball, we have to see exactly what their offense is going to do. Are you going to be more aggressive? Are you going to be more creative? I was not a fan of Anthony Lynn's play calling, of that offensive play calling in general on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. It wasn't creative. You don't smack Austin. You gave Austin Eckler 19 touches, great. You gave him 20 touches total, great. You don't smack Austin Eckler 17 times up the middle. What was that? If that's going to be the case, Joshua Kelly is going to be the better running back to own moving forward. Why are you smacking Austin Eckler 17 times up the middle? It doesn't make any sense. That's not what he does well. So I'm looking this week at the Chargers offensive staff. I'm looking at their scheme. Do you guys do what you actually need to do? Are you going to utilize Austin Eckler in the passing game, which is what you paid him to be, a playmaker? Not a bell cow running back. Not a guy you run up the middle all the time. He can do it at a shotgun sometimes. You don't do it to that clip. So that's going to be the big question. Austin Eckler is somebody we had as a high-end RB2 coming into this season. Will they correct and get him involved in the passing game? They have to. 
And I think they will against the Chiefs because I don't think they're going to have any other choice. Not only is it the right move to do, but I, like I said, I don't think they're going to have any other choice. The expectation is you're going to be trailing at some point in this game. You need to make things easier. If Tyrod Taylor is going to be your guy, you need to make things easier on Tyrod Taylor, get in his ear, and make him check down the ball to Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. That needs to happen. So I'm going to have a lot of question marks and a lot of things I'm going to be looking for out of the scheme of the Chargers to indicate to me exactly what we're going to be able to expect from a fantasy perspective from some of these guys. I like... Mike Williams as a home run threat this week, but recognize that he has a low floor. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs secondary is banged up, so it's going to be a better matchup than it usually is. But Spagnola, I don't, I don't, whether it's by hook or by crook, he always seems to find a way to do pretty good against perimeter wide receivers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. (laughs) Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. You've always been able to attack Kansas City with the tight end and the slot wide receiver, which is why this might be a better Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry day. We'll get into that in a minute. Matchup wise, paper wise, Mike Williams should have a decent matchup in this game. And like I said, I still think you, you can play him as a home run threat, as a wide receiver three, as a flex guy. But recognize he's going to have a low floor. Because Kansas City just finds a way to take out those perimeter wide receivers deep down the throat. They don't give up very many big plays, just generally speaking. Keenan Allen, somebody's come, he comes in at wide receiver 23 this week. I would have him higher if they actually targeted him last week. Now, again, it was week one, and just like with the Austin Eckler situation, there's some things that I think are need to be corrected for the Chargers heading into week two against Kansas City that I think just because of by default with no other choice being able to be had that they will. But we still have to see Tyrod Taylor actually target Keaton Allen more than Mike Williams. He looked like he wanted to go down the field with the ball. It wasn't just like it was week one and it happened in Mike Williams game. Tyrod wanted to go deep down the field with the ball. He didn't want to check it down to Austin Eckler. He didn't want to go over the middle and keep it within 5 to 10 yards of Keenan Allen. So we're going to have to see if that corrects itself. But Keenan Allen comes in at wide receiver 23. He's a low-end wide receiver 2 for us. He belongs in your lineups. 
like I said, we're just going to have a lot of questions to see exactly what happens with this Chargers team. Joshua Kelly's a flex play. 12 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown last week. You can run at Kansas City. Now, I'll say this. Unless the Chargers defense really is able to contain the Chiefs offense, he's going to have to do a lot of his damage, I believe, in the first half. Because in the second half, I don't know how much he's going to be able to on, on the field if the Chargers are down by a couple of scores. So he's got to do a lot of his damage in the first half. But you can run at this Kansas City defense. That's something you can do. So he is a flex play for me. And if you're somebody who has you know, Le'Veon Bell and you need a replacement, he's not a bad one for that. He's just sure as hell better than trying to play Frank Gore out there. So I would consider him in that territory. Hunter Henry is a top 10 tight end for us this week. This is a matchup that can be had. He's number six for us in half-point PPR leagues. He had a good game last week. I think there's a very good chance he finds the end zone this week. And just an FYI, Mike Williams is practicing in full. Before we move on to our next couple of games, our, our last 4 o'clock game and our Sunday night game, I want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of this show, showing us great support throughout the process, and that's called Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Use promo code BELLYUP when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today. All right, well, that brings us to Baltimore and Houston. This is going to be, I think, the game of the 4 o'clock games, game of the week kind of deal. Everyone's going to be interested to see what happens. Does Houston bounce back from what looked like a dismal week one performance, frankly, from everyone involved? But I think the answer to that is going to most likely be yes, to some degree. It depends on how they come out with attack. The one thing that you can do against Baltimore is you have to spread them out. You can't let them get in their base defensive formation. They get in their base defensive formation, they're more physical than you. They're, they're better than you. Their linebackers are borderline unblockable, and this is a team that tackles like no other in the NFL. You're not going to break many against this team. So you got to spread them out. you got to even the odds. Brandon Cooks is healthy. He's practicing in full, so he should be okay. If they have all of their weapons, that's something Houston should be able to do. It's something Bill O'Brien likes to do is spread out. I don't think they're going to win this game. I don't think it's a great matchup for Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks or Deshaun Watson. I think all their ceilings are capped to some degree. But it's not going to be the result we saw with them against with the Ravens against Cleveland Browns. It's not going to be the Houston's not going to turn to the Browns on us. That's not going to happen. Where nobody could do anything. That's not that's not going to be the case. So their ceilings might be capped, but you're still starting Watson. You're still starting Will Fuller. The only guy I question if I'm going to start or not is Brandon Cooks because while he should be healthier heading into week two, we still need to see exactly what his role is in this offense. Where is his chemistry and Watson's chemistry on the field? Where is that level at? Because we don't really know that yet. We didn't get that question really answered in week one because it was clear how hindered Brandon Cooks was and how limited he was. So we didn't get to answer that question right away. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. That's something we're going to be watching pretty closely. You have to start David Johnson. I don't love the matchup. I don't love his ceiling. But with the running back situation right after week one, 
You drafted him to be your RB2. You're not going to bench him against Baltimore. The good thing about David Johnson is that Duke Johnson is nicked up. And now, at first, it looked like Duke Johnson wasn't going to play, but he's actually been practicing, so it sounds like he is going to actually be active for this game. But he's going to be nicked up. So David Johnson should at least be involved in the passing game, should at least establish a floor for you. He comes in at RB18 for us uh, for half-point PPR leagues for now. Like I said, these things can change all the way up until Sunday morning. In order to do this, we are on the, we're on the Fantasy Nation competition this year. And you know, for you have to lock in your rankings before the Thursday night game to you know lock in your Thursday night players. But then you get to change them again until Sunday uh, morning. So these aren't officially locked until Sunday morning because they got to stay fluid with the news. And that's why you got to be following me on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow and have the notifications up on alert because we're going to get you those player news all throughout the weekend. Everything has to remain fluid until you're confident Sunday morning, especially this year, because I think we're going to be seeing a lot more injuries. It's been a lot of key players already. So you definitely start Watson. You definitely start David Johnson. You definitely start Will Fuller. I'm hoping you have better options than Brandon Cooks for this week because he just doesn't have a very good ceiling, a very good matchup heading into this game. And he's still getting back from injuries. So I expect him to be limited. And, of course, start Mark Andrews. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was raving inside the ball. Uh, Jordan Atkins is somebody who's a, a deep stash. That's what I wanted to say for that. On the Ravens side of the ball, you definitely start Mark Andrews. You definitely start Lamar Jackson. The question is going to be Mark Ingram. Oh, you definitely start Hollywood Brown. Great matchups for all of those guys against this. what's going to be a terrible Houston defense all throughout the year. And we're just getting some news now. So here we can hit that uh, breaking news sounder. Breaking news. This is really important because Chris Godwin returned to practice today. That is huge because a lot of people were worried because the concussion symptoms showed up late that he was going to be not just out this week, but maybe out multiple weeks. And usually when that happens, it can be a more severe symptom, more severe sign on his concussion. But he is back at practice today in a limited capacity. So it doesn't definitely it doesn't uh, automatically clear him for Sunday, but it is definitely a step in the right direction that he is moving through the concussion protocol. So that definitely helps him out a ton. A ton. And we're going to go through some of the other injury news that we're getting across the desk. But that that's a big one because you're talking about a guy who could be a top five receiver possibly this week against Carolina Panthers. And that also affects Mike Evans' ceiling as well if he's back in the lineup. And both have plus matches there. We talked about that game yesterday. So where was I? Yes. So yeah, you play Brown, you play Mark Andrews, you play Lamar Jackson. Obviously, that goes without saying. Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. That's going to be the question this week. It's a plus matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens won by a couple scores again in this game. Who's getting the touchdown work? Greg Roman came out earlier in the week and talked about how it's going to be a different running back each week. Okay. That's more of a committee than we were expecting. Did we expect both these running backs to be involved on a weekly basis? Yes, we did. And you just watched last year. Mark Ingram would never get more than 15 carries. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill would be involved to a certain point. We expected... I told you guys all this before. We expected Gus Edwards and Justice Hill to take a step aside, and then that would just be J.K. Dobbins' role, meaning that he was going to be a guy that in certain situations he was going to be flex territory. He was going to be flex worthy. But what we didn't expect, or what we did expect that didn't happen, I should say, is that we expected Mark Ingram to maintain his goal line role. That wasn't the case last week. It depended on whose series it was. It happened to be J.K. Dobbins' series, 
both times that they were at the red zone where they handed it off to him. Mark Ingram still wound up with more carries. But he's another guy who I question, how good a shape is he in right now? Because he didn't physically, he didn't look good. He didn't look good in that game. He didn't look explosive. He looked slow. He looked tired. I know he had an injury at the end of last season. I don't know if maybe he's just not quite up to game shape that he's normally in at this point in the season early on. So maybe that's something that will get better as the weeks go as he's getting more conditioning. But this Houston, this is going to be a big matchup to see about what's the, what is this going to be moving forward? Does it go back to getting Mark Ingram involved? Or is J.K. Dobbins going to take over sooner rather than later? I think this game is going to be a big indication on that one way or another. Do I think there's a good chance Mark Ingram finds the end zone this week? Yeah, I do. He's still going to be a threat to score because any running back, any part of piece of this running game, the Baltimore Ravens is going to be a threat to score because of the way their offense is built. But if he's not having that relegated role, and J.K. Dobbins, at least from a physical standpoint, continues to look better than him, well, it might be Dobbins' job sooner rather than later. We have Mark Ingram as RB27 on the week, and we have Dobbins at RB36. If you have Ingram and Dobbins, and Ingram you drafted to be your late RB2 because you went wide receiver heavy early, we're okay with playing Dobbins in your flex this week too. You're guaranteed at least a touchdown. Now, hopefully you have a better options and you have more of a, being able to optimize your lineup a little bit better than that. But if you're facing that situation, there's a pretty good chance one of them is going to get a touchdown, maybe both. And you'll have a better idea of what to do moving forward. I think this is still Mark Ingram's job for now, but if he doesn't look better against Houston, then I question exactly what his involvement's going to be in the future or how much longer he's going to be the lead back over J.K. Dobbins. So this is, this is going to be a big week for Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and exactly getting an idea of what's coming out of that backfield. And it sucks that they are guys that you kind of have to play. At least Mark, I think Mark Ingram is a guy you, you kind of have to have in your lineup, whether it's in your flex position or your low NRB too. It's the matchup's too good, and that's what you drafted in the B, and it's only week two. But it is something you have to watch closely. We'll have a better idea of that come Monday for the recap show. Now we move into the Sunday night game between the Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Can Cam Newton run this RPO, power run, wishbone-like offense against Seattle the way he did against the Dolphins. Seattle's a little bit of a better defense because of Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is going to make it hard for running games. Now, this is a different type of running game than you're normally going to see, but it's a harder matchup than what they face against the Dolphins. So I'm curious to see what happens. Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to do their thing because that passing attack is going to have to get more aggressive at some point. You cannot make it that easy for teams to squeeze you. I think this is going to be a big week for Cam. I think he's going to be forced to throw the ball a little bit more. I think we're going to get more of an indication on where exactly his shoulder is at in this week. Last week, he didn't really have to push the ball down the field all that much. I think he's going to have to be more aggressive in this game. But he's about to start for us. He's a top 10 guy. If, you're going, if they're going to run an offense that's going to allow Cam Newton to run the ball to that level to that much opportunity, Cam Newton has to play. He's our QB6 on the week. He has to play. 
Again, this is not the elite level of Seattle defense, so let's not get that twisted. Any running any quarterback who they design an offense to actually run the football just has a crazy floor. So if he gives you anything in the passing game, he's knocking down the door for a top five that week. This is why I had Cam Newton as number 12 quarterback on the year coming in. This is why I had him as one of my favorite sleepers. Because of this possibility. And they did, the Josh McDaniels and the Patriots came out and ran the exact offense that I imagined they would run with Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. I know there's a rumor going around that Cam Newton had maybe hurt his hamstring. Uh, nothing's been on the report about that. And the Patriots will put anything on the report to limit some of their veterans. He hasn't been limited in practice. There's been nothing on the report about that. So you don't have to worry about that rumor that was going around about him. He's a must-start for us. What do you do with Sony Michelle? He was limited last week. So he wasn't playing his full set of snaps. I expect him to play a little bit more this week. He did score the touchdown. If Cam Newton is going to continue to run like he is, it's going to open up more avenues for the running game to have a little bit more success than they normally would. While Although Michelle still only had 3.7 yards of carry last week, we still have this week and next week that Damian Harris has to miss. The earliest he can be back is week four. I think what you're doing is that Sonny Michelle has to enter that low-end flex territory because there's a chance that he could score in this game. But I think more so you're hoping that you can keep Michelle on your bench. We haven't ranked at RB32 for the week, by the way. You, I think what you're more hoping is that you can keep him on your bench. He has a decent game, and then you can trade him high next week. I think that's more what you're hoping if you have Sonny Michelle. But there's a chance he has some value here with Cam Newton continuing to run the ball the way he is. The guy who I'm staying off of, if I can help it at all, almost completely is Cam Newton. I mean, I'm sorry, not Cam Newton, is is James White. It was just very obvious to me, very clear to me, that because of the way they're going to run the football, unless the Patriots have to throw it a ton, there's not going to be a lot of volume there. And James White, this isn't Tom Brady. He's not set up to be in that same role. He's not set up to be utilized at that same level. This is one of the things I worry about James White coming in. You can't start James White this week. Until you see the Patriots forced into a situation where they have to throw the ball a ton and then seeing where Cam actually goes with the ball because it wasn't to the running backs, I don't think you can start James White. I'm not dropping him just yet, but I can't start him. He's on my bench until further notice. And we'll talk about that again on the recap next show next week. I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for us. Julian Edelman, I think you have to play him. We know the volume is going to be there. We know the floor is going to be there, especially when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues. He is the go-to guy. The slot receiver is the guy who can take advantage the most out of the Seattle defense, that middle-tier receiver, or that, that that middle-tier corner. So Edelman is somebody that I would definitely play, knowing I'm going to get a decent floor. I don't know what your ceiling is going to be, but I don't know what your ceiling is going to be in any given week. But he is somebody who should walk away with seven to eight catches in this game. And because there is no true red zone threat, he actually has more of a possibility to score, I think especially this week, than he would normally have. He actually comes in as wide receiver 10 for us on the week. We expect a a significant amount of volume heading towards Julian Edelman. Will Nikhil Harry continue to get the volume that he did last week? I think that's going to be the question. If he does, then he's somebody who will move up in our rankings. He's somebody who will become more of a flex play. But for now, he's still wide receiver 50. I still didn't like what I saw. Now, that is a good secondary in Miami. 
but he still failed to get separation. But what I will say is that Cam gave him opportunities to try to win 50-50 balls, to try to have those 50-50 chances. As long as he continues to do that, we'll see if that winds up translating into him being targeted in that way when they get into the red zone as well. That's going to be the big question there. Before we move on into the Monday night matchup, I want to talk to you guys about Jazz Sportsbook. Check out one of our newest sponsors called Jazz Sportsbook and Casino. They have a ton of great features like same-day payouts, live streaming, live betting, and available 24-7. Use promo BUS150, BUS150, for 150% free play up to $1,000 when you sign up today. So go to jazzsports.ag today and win big. So now we got the Monday night game. It's going to be a big one for fantasy purposes. We got the Saints. We got the Raiders. Michael Thomas. I mean, that's the storyline heading into this game. Michael Thomas is not officially ruled out for Monday. And there was a report coming out today, coming out this morning before we hopped onto the show, that he feels, he keeps saying he feels great. Now that's coming from the player. The player always wants to play. I do think it's weird. We went from earlier in the week, they talked about maybe he doesn't come back till week seven, probably headed to the IR, to now this week where they're not putting him on the IR. They're not ruling him out for Monday night's game. And that was a change in the coaching staff because they started off the week saying that he probably won't play Monday night's game. And I was like, no, they won't rule him out. Players saying he feels great. It was, it was diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. If that is the case, and he plays on Monday, you have to expect that he will be severely hindered. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. We watched it at Saquon Barkley last year. We see that at wide receivers all the time. They're not the same guy. They can't get in and out of their breaks. Is Michael Thomas a threat to catch the ball, a threat to score a touchdown anytime he's on the field? Yeah. If the Saints are smart, they're playing the long game. They're playing for the Super Bowl this year. I don't see why, especially after you won week one, I don't see why you would feel the need to push Michael Thomas to come back before he's ready, or at least come back this soon. I don't see why you wouldn't have him at least miss this game. We do not have Michael Thomas ranked. We do not expect him to play. That might change come Sunday morning, but he will not, I repeat, even in a great match against the Raiders, will not be a must-star for us if he plays, because I would say there's a 95% chance that he's a decoy, and nothing else, nothing more. Now, Mike Evans was a decoy, scored a touchdown, but that's it. Were you really happy if you started Mike Evans last week? Probably not. 
if the Saints are smart, and even for your fantasy teams, it might suck to be without Michael Thomas. But the best thing for your fantasy teams, the best thing for the Saints would be if Michael Thomas would at least miss this game. At least get better going into week three. And then we'll reassess if you really are just ahead of schedule and doing much better. And maybe it's just not as severe as originally thought. But it doesn't make any sense for him to play this game. But we're going to keep, obviously, we're going to have to keep our eyes glued. We're going to have those player news update notifications for you throughout the weekend. So we're going to keep you up to date on that. But that's something to watch right now. Assuming Michael Thomas misses, Emmanuel Sanders is somebody who has a high floor. He's going to be targeted quite a bit. He's going to be the lead wide receiver for this team as the veteran not. Now, he's not going to be on Michael Thomas's level. We have him at wide receiver 25 coming into the week. But it's a great matchup in a game in which we expect him to be the lead target. So there's going to be a floor that comes. There's going to be at least a high floor that comes with that, if not a pretty good ceiling opportunity in this matchup against the Raiders. The other guy that we really love is Jared Cook. Now, I think we love Jared Cook whether Thomas plays or not. But especially if he doesn't, because that's going to be more targets for Jared Cook. I believe Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook, as far as players not named Alvin Kamara, will be the top targeted guys heading into that week. I know people are questioning, could this be finally the emergence of Traquan Smith? I'm not going to die on that hill. We've been talking about the emergence of Traquan Smith for a couple of years now. We have yet to see it. Even last week where his snap share went up quite significantly, which is why a lot of people were kind of bringing it to light, he still didn't have a great game statistically. Until it actually happens, I'm not going to be the one dying on that hill. I'm going to tell you that right now. Is he an interesting stash on your bench if you have the room for him? Sure. But if Michael Thomas is going to work himself back into the lineup sooner rather than later, I'm not starting Traquan Smith. So it's Jared Cook and it's Emmanuel Sanders. Jared Cook's our tight end five for the week. It's a great matchup. There's a really good chance he finds the end zone. And I love what I saw last week with him in Tampa Bay. They were already on the same page and Drew Brees was ready to target Jared Cook already. Jared Cook might, is not. I might. I feel pretty confident Jared Cook's going to outplay where we had him ranked heading into the season. We had him a top 12 tight end. I think there's a very good chance he's going to finish inside the top six, top five this year. Because the big question was, was he going to be consistent with targets? That was a pretty good showing early in the season. And Michael Thomas, remember, he didn't get hurt until late in the game. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he wasn't, it wasn't like he was hindered in the first few quarters of that game. It wasn't until the fourth quarter he got hurt in that game. Drew Brees is already looking for Jared Cook. So we love Jared Cook moving forward, whether Michael Thomas plays or not, especially for this week. Alvin Kamara, obviously, through the roof. Great matchup. Michael Thomas either hindered or out. We have him as the number two running back right behind Ezekiel Elliott. Drew Brees is a guy that you can play this week, again, because of the matchup. I liked him a lot more heading to this week before Michael Thomas got hurt. I thought this was going to be a big week for Drew Brees. Because Michael Thomas is out, this isn't going to be a must-start situation for us when it comes to Brees. He's going to be more of a mid-leveling, in-the-streamer quarterback territory, even though he's probably not a stream for you. Just without Michael Thomas, it's going to be a lot of checkdowns. And does maybe Kamara score off of that? Does Jared Cook score off of that? Does Emmanuel Sanders score off of that? There's still a path for Drew Brees to have a three-touchdown game and a pretty good game against the Raiders team on Monday night. But because it looks like it's going to be lined up and, and designed around Captain Checkdown, and they're probably going to lean he- more heavily on the running game going into this game because that's going to be another way that you should be able to move the ball against the Raiders. I think there's just a lot of other quarterbacks who have a much higher ceiling heading into this matchup. 
because Breeze isn't going to have to necessarily be aggressive down the field. And I have a lot of questions about where's Drew Breeze's arm at after watching that game against Tampa Bay because he looked he looked like he had no interest in pushing the ball down the field. So that's something that we got to watch moving forward as well. So you can play Breeze because of the matchup. He's not a must-start for us, though. On the Raiders' side of the ball, you have to start Josh Jacobs. It's not a good matchup. The Saints are very stout against the run. They always have been, and their defense is even better this year than it has been, I mean, maybe any time in my memory. That's how talented this defense is, They're especially against the run. We still have him as RB8 because if he's involved in the passing game the way he is, he's a true bell cow back. That's what got proven to us last week. He's a true bell cow back, and it's right now it's very hard to find true bell cow backs. So we do like we do like Josh Jacobs quite a bit. I mean, we, we like his floor. I should put it that way. But I don't think he has a top five ceiling going into this game. It's a, it is a tough matchup. Henry Ruggs, Edwards, these are none of these guys are must starts. Again, it's a tough matchup against the Saints. Ruggs is the only guy I would even consider, and he would be nothing more than a boomer bus flyer for me heading into this week. Darren Waller, you have to start him. Once again, tough matchup. Even against the tight ends, they're a tough matchup because they have the linebackers and the safeties now to match up with these tight ends moving forward. Didn't have a huge game last week, but was still heavily involved, was the most targeted weapon, is still going to be, I think, the most trusted weapon for Derek Carr. We have him at tight end nine. He's still going to be a must-play if you drafted him. But again, temper your expectations with these Raiders across the board. That wraps it up for our game previews. Next up, we have our mailbag segment. We have a couple questions for you guys today that we're really excited to get through. Our first question on the day comes from Gambino on Twitter. He asked me, should I drop Daryl Henderson for Marquez Valdez-Scantling? It's a 14-team half-point PPR league. If you're looking to play somebody in the flex this week, yes. He doesn't really specify here, but I'm going to go with it based off of that idea. Or if you're looking for the future, I would still say probably yes. Here's the thing. We didn't see Daryl Henderson involved last week because he didn't get to practice that much coming off of the injury going into week one. I still think this is a true three-man committee, and I think Daryl Henderson is going to get involved. And I still, if I had to bet money on it, Henderson's going to be the guy that I think will be involved more so in the passing game. We'll see if that comes to fruition because we didn't get to see it much week one. But I think there's a really good chance that at the very least, he's going to be heavily involved. So that's, not, that's the number one thing. But for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think is the number three receiver still to Alan Lazard, Green Bay has a pretty good schedule. I would say if you could wait one more week, I would, because I want to see is Green Bay, are they going to continue to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands first, run second, like they did in week one? Or was that just a statement game that say that you, you, can, you can put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands to be aggressive on offense if you want to be? That's really my question. Because what we saw last week, that's not Matt LaFleur's nature. That was Aaron Rodgers' nature. So what's going to be the case moving forward? I think that's the question that I have when it comes to Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, exactly what their value is. I have them both ranked as wide receiver 36 and wide receiver 37, respectively. So I have them in that low-end wide receiver 3 flex territory. I would, like I said, if you're looking for a flex this week, I would drop Henderson. I would still think about it because even if Henderson is to get worked in a decent amount. I don't know when you're ever going to feel comfortable starting him. 
And if there's going to be one running back who does take over this job at some point, I don't know if there's one running back who does take over the Rams job at any point, but if there's, if there is going to be one running back who takes over this job at some point, it's more likely to be Cam Akers. And even after that, it might be more likely to be Malcolm Brown. Henderson might be thrown that list as far as actually taking over. So I would probably go ahead and say, yes, you could, you can drop Henderson for Marquez Valdez Scantling in a 14 team half point PPR league. Next up, we had Greg from Facebook. He asked me, I want to offer Chris Carson and Deontay Johnson for Jonathan Taylor. This is a classic overreaction. Classic overreaction. That's why I thought this question was important. A lot of people are looking for trades, hitting a panic button button after week one. Classic overreaction. I know there's a lot of hype and hoopla around Jonathan Taylor right now. Now he's going to be taking over. Now that Marlon Mack's out for the season, he still has to deal with Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines is still going to be the passing down back. He's still going to be involved even at the goal line because Phillip Rivers likes passing down backs at the goal line. Will Jonathan Taylor be good? Yeah, I expect him to be a high-end RB too and have quite a few weeks where he's able to finish within the, inside the top 10. But I also expect that for Chris Carson. Remember, Chris Carson's still working back in the game shape. So while his snap share, his carry number may have worried you last week, he still got you to two touchdowns. It's still clear they definitely trust him in the passing game over Carlos Hyde. So even though he wasn't quite in shape, he was still the only guy out there in the passing game. So I'm not worried about it. He's only going to get more and more carries as the season wears on as he gets in the better shape. I'm not going to trade him and Deontay Johnson, who led the Pittsburgh Steelers in targets last week with 10. Oh, I know everybody harps on because of the muff punt. That has nothing to do with his fantasy value as a wide receiver. Better days are ahead for Deontay Johnson. It truly looked like as far as the target share goes, it's a 1A, 1B situation in Pittsburgh between Johnson and Schuster. If that's going to be the case, Johnson's in line for a great year, people, as long as Ben Roethlisberger's healthy. He's got a great matchup this week against Denver. He's in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little spoiler alert for tomorrow's show, the DC's DFS Challenge. He's in one of my DraftKings lineups. He's somebody who I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. You don't give up Chris Carson and a low-end wide receiver, too, for an RB, too. Jonathan Taylor didn't just become a top-five guy because Marlon Mack went down. If there was no Naeem Hines, then yes, I would probably do this deal. He's not going to be a three-down back. It's an overreaction. Last question. Evan from Twitter, he asked me, if Cortland Sutton is active, do you play him or Paris Campbell? Now, I thought this was a really interesting question because we have Paris Campbell ranked pretty high this week, especially when it comes to half-point PPR leagues. We have him ranked right at 24. Technically speaking, as of right now, we have Paris Campbell ranked higher than Cortland Sutton, but that's also taking into consideration Sutton being uh, either banged up or being a game-time decision and not being fully aware whether he's going to play or not. That ranking will update. Uh, if if it comes out that he's going to be ready to go. Now, as of right now, I just got a report, actually, that they are talking about uh, Cortland Sutton being a game-time decision as of right now. So we're going to have to wait and see. And it's not a great matchup for him against Pittsburgh. The perimeter corners are the one area of the defense I believe you can attack. And we saw Darius Slayton have a really good game. I think that could be similar for Sutton if he is good to go. But it's still not a great matchup overall because Drew Locke may never get the ball passed on his scrimmage with the way that Pittsburgh pass rush looked and the way Drew Locke looked against Tennessee, which wasn't great. So there's give and take there. Uh, 
If Sutton is available, I would say yes, because the big difference for me is that if Sutton is available, he is a much better threat to score a touchdown, and we know for sure he's going to be the number one target. I talk about Paris Campbell, and the reason I bumped up Paris Campbell to, to 24 is, you know, won the matchup this week against Minnesota. But the other, I talked about this, what reason why he's one of my big pickups of the week is that the way this offense shaped up, at least for week one, Paris Campbell, not T.Y. Hilton, looked like Philip Rivers' Keenan Allen. Looked like the guy he was going to throw a lot of volume to because he's lined up in the slot. The slot receiver is the most valuable receiver for Philip Rivers. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is on the perimeter. So it is an interesting development. I think Paris Campbell, especially when you talk about half-point, full-point PPR leagues, has a high floor for sure heading into this matchup. And he does have the big game-breaking ability. We know he has that speed. So he has that upside element that comes with his game. But Cortland Sutton's, I mean, this this is a guy from a talent standpoint, is a is a true wide receiver one. And if he's out there on the field, you got to play him. You got to play him. So we would go Sutton. It would be closer than it normally would have been coming into the season, but we would go Sutton if he is healthy and active. Before we get out of here, though, I want to give you guys a rundown of the news that we have updated to this point to make sure you guys don't miss anything. Remember, if you want to be updated throughout the weekend, make sure you follow us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. Have those notifications up, and we're, we will get that. You know, we'll get the news out to you. And you can also use that for social media on for that and for Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow to talk to us, ask us questions, help you out with your lineups for this week, for any week. So make sure you utilize us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. All right, so before we get out of here, we have some news that just crossed our desk, which is Jamison Crowder has officially been ruled out. So he had a hamstring injury that cropped up during practice later in the week. Didn't practice yesterday. Will be out against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. That literally just came across through the desk. Uh, next up, we have Kenny Galladay. Limited is not going to practice. He's going to be a game-time decision. We would lean towards Kenny Galladay not playing this week, so we're going to have to update our rankings on that one. That'll boost Marvin Jones. That'll boost Danny Amendola. It's a game in which I think uh, it could be a shootout game. I think Detroit's going to have to throw the ball a ton. So Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola will both be looking at a significant amount of targets this particular week. Amendola being still more of a low-end flex play, but Marvin Jones we're going to like as a high-end wide receiver too. He's still a guy who's going to be the main red zone target. I know he didn't have a great game last week, but he still had eight targets. This is a guy who's had big games in the past. It should be a matchup in which they're able to take advantage of. 49ers are still not ruling out George Kittle. You will be a game-time decision. But it seems like they're being a little bit more conservative. Before it was Kyle Shannon was like, he could practice, he could not practice all week, and he'll, we'll still play him on Sunday. They're being a little bit, at least John Lynch is, at least being a little bit more conservative. Because we have to play this for the long haul, is what he's saying. So George Kittle, if he, if we don't feel like he's good enough to go, he's not going to go. So he's going to be a game-time decision. That's something you're going to have to watch at a tight end position. Jordan Thomas might be out there. Uh, TJ Hawkinson might be out there. A Janu Smith might be out there. These are guys that are options that we really like a lot this week for you if you have to stream a tight end if George Kittle cannot go. Devontae Parker... Able to practice today again. He was a limited participant in practice all throughout the week. It looks like he is going to be active and suiting up on Sunday. I don't love the match against the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be going up with Travis White, and he's also going to be a candidate to re-aggravate the hamstring injury yet again. 
Honestly, I was hoping that they would just let him sit a week. You weren't, no one was going to really play Parker with confidence against the Buffalo Bills coming off a hamstring issue. Anyway, it would have been better off if you just sat him a week, and I know you could come back healthy the following week. But it looks like he is going to go. I wouldn't suggest playing Parker, though, if you have better options. Golden Tate did practice today. That's significant because we're talking about you know Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard in yesterday's show. These are guys who could be high-end wide receiver threes if Golden Tate cannot go because the targets will definitely be there. But it looks like Golden Tate practiced today. And he will his, his his status for Sunday is still unclear, but I would lean towards because he was able to practice in limited capacity all throughout the week that he, there's a pretty decent chance he'll wind up being active. But again, make sure you're following us on Twitter to get those news update notifications. We'll have you updated by Sunday, and we'll have more information then. Miles Sanders looks like he's going to be good to go. He's been practicing in full, and Duke Johnson looks like he's going to be active and able to play as well too. So that's the news that we have updated so far. Make sure you guys are good to go. Remember, you can listen to this show on any one of your favorite podcast apps, and you can watch Thursdays and Friday streams on YouTube, Sportscaster, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. And you can also check us out, the DC's DFS Challenge, tomorrow night at 9.15 on Twitter and on Facebook. We may have a big announcement coming for you guys later on this weekend. Make sure you tune in on our social media, on Twitter and on Facebook for that, at Show. You can always email the show directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great week. And let's get a win in week two moving forward for our championship runs. And we'll see you all again on Monday for the recap episode uh, that we're going to have for you guys, recapping the all of the Sunday games for you. And then we'll be back on Tuesday with the waiver wire report and the recap for the Sunday night and the Monday night game. We'll see you guys then. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.